Welcome to uh, Broken Silicon, a PC hardware and gaming podcast. I am, of course, your host, Tom. Definitely not the host with the most today. Uh, my guest, I'll let him introduce himself. Well, I'm Steve from Hardware Unboxed. So hopefully some of your viewers know Hardware Unboxed. I would imagine so. Um, I got to say, full disclosure, when we started recording, Steve hurriedly pushed a mountain of RTX boxes out of the way behind him. and But the, it was actually really embarrassing because then there was a pile of money behind them. He had to then push that pile of money away. But now there is a mountain of thread rippers behind him. So I'm, I'm happy to deal with that uh, mountain of money there. So buy all the hardware we need. But, uh, yeah. Yes. Now, so. do you actually think of that now in the back of your head when you're putting stuff behind you? Are you like, uh, do I have to proportion? Because uh, it's certainly not even. If anything, there's more AMD stuff behind you now than usual. It, yeah. Letting myself think about it, kind of, I get even more annoyed with myself. The fact that I even think about it now because I never used to think about it at all. It was just, um, I explained it to the guys that watch our channel. It's really just sort of, almost a timeline of the stuff I've been reviewing. Generally, I review something, then usually it gets chucked somewhere on the shelf wherever I can fit it or something that is mm -hmm. no longer relevant or I'm not interested in gets taken off. But it's just, yeah, it's not really anything. It's just a, a background. Definitely never, ever <laughs> charged or been paid to put boxes there. And I don't really have a preference of whether we have more AMD or NVIDIA stuff. Usually... Uh, if there's been a lot of AMD releases, mm. then it does look a bit dominant by AMD. And then if there's been a lot of NVIDIA releases, there's generally more NVIDIA boxes. But it's always evolving and changing. If you go through our videos, I think the funny thing was, um, oh, I don't remember the exact timeline now, but the video just before the one that I think a few people picked up on where I had the two RTX boxes, the video before that, um, we had some AMD ones. And then after that, I reviewed the 5700 series and then the 5700 series boxes were there. So it's always changing. Um, and you're not really going to land some kind of box deal sponsorship where they can change every video. It would be like that for a, an extended period of time. But anyway, it, yes, I do think about it now, whether we have sort of an equal <laughs> representation. I can't help it now. It does annoy me because it's just meant to be a fun thing where, you know, things we've reviewed or looked at and there's, I think, my first ever CPU, my seller on 300As there, a couple of other things. So it's just a, a mismatch of new and old hardware. But anyway, that that's that. Well, yeah, but I think the funny thing is, is I'll have different people tell me you're an AMD fanboy, <laughs> and then people say you're an NVIDIA fanboy. I think right now I'm, I go back and forth usually between uh, Intel and AMD fanboys is what I'm accused of. Sure, I, it depends what you're saying at the time, really. Uh, if I'm saying good things about NVIDIA, then obviously I'm an NVIDIA fanboy. And if I'm saying positive things about AMD... It's just the way it's always been. I've been doing this for a long time. And, you know, throughout the uh, AMD FX sort of era, I was a massive <laughs> Intel shill. And, yeah, because you, know, you didn't want, you know, a 125-watt <laughs> CPU with eight cores, I guess legally not eight cores in California, that can't even beat an i3 in gaming. But, yeah, you're uh, just yeah. a complete shill for suggesting <laughs> maybe you go with, a you know, an i5 or something at the time. Exactly. So... And that's basically what I was recommending, i3s for gaming for, for people who want something that's pretty good value. Obviously, it's swung completely in the other direction now, and it's pretty hard, I, I feel it's pretty hard to recommend Intel at the uh, present 
point in time, I think my sort of stance on it is you could recommend something like a 9900K if you were going all out with an RTX 2080 Ti. But below that, I don't know, would you agree? It's pretty hard to recommend Intel. I flat out do not recommend Intel from top to bottom, and that's a pretty hard stance of mine at this point. Um, I mean, you just did your tweaked memory thing, and it's like, Mm. I mean, what are we even talking about now? We're talking about a 5% difference in gaming performance, and you get half the the cores. And the only Mm. way that 9900K is going to be notably better in gaming, and I mean barely notable, is if you have some incredibly expensive liquid cooler that even ups the cost even more. <laughs> so, and at that point, that means you've overclocked it. So now it's probably using sure. double the energy of AMD's 16 core, which is hilarious to think of. That's where we are now. Speaking of i3's beating pile driver. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that, it's true. It's, I, I agree with all of that, really. Like the Core i9, the 1900K in particular, it's, yeah, I think I almost said it in that video. It might have even been the top five CPU video where I said it. It's kind of like a niche gaming CPU now. Like I said, it's, you've really got to want the most extreme gaming system ever and then not want to play it 4K or or 1440p even. <laughs> so, yeah. And, um, and be willing to accept that that might only be for the next eight months because who knows well, if it's going to stay as the strongest gaming CPU forever. Yeah, so it's, it's pretty much AMD top to bottom at the moment. I mean, that's just the way it is. There's not much we can do about that. Um, but yeah, you could make an argument for the top end, but certainly below that, it's your Ryzen 7s and Ryzen 5s all day, and then you get down to the APUs, and they're obvious, uh, the obvious choice there. Yeah, so I'm actually going to cut ahead of a bunch of stuff in the, st- in the things I wrote down and lead right into something I saw you say. Well, you didn't say it today, but mm-hmm. you said it in, I think, one of your Q&A videos. People ask, what are you most excited for next year? And you said Zen 3. Above everything else, Intel C, uh, GPUs, Big Navi, yep. possibly a Turing successor near the end of the year, whatever else there is out there. You said Zen 3, and I'm, uh, why? Why Zen 3 The main reason was I'd just come off doing the third-gen Threadripper benchmarking and testing, and mm. I didn't really know what to expect there. Uh, I had... Mm-hmm some expectations, but I had some expectations for the 2990WX and they were pretty heavily crushed. So I was blown away by third gen Threadripper. I know the pricing's ridiculous on it. Um, in a way, depends how you look at it, but they are expensive. Yet you but, said, if you built your own personal system, what would it be? 3960X. Probably. I so mean, they could charge well, more. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that obviously depends on a lot of things in this hypothetical, what I'm doing, what my financial situation is, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, for what I'm doing right now, uh, that's probably where I would go. Uh, And I thought doing it, because I'm usually fairly conservative. You know, you've Mm. probably seen all my cost per frame graphs and things like that. And I thought, gee, I don't know if I could sink $1,400 US into this thing for, you know, video editing and encoding. But then when I set it up, and I sort of worked out what the cost of the system would be in Australian dollars, which in Australia, mm-hmm. it's, it's pretty pretty hefty, the tax we pay on those premium yeah. parts. But I thought, after encoding the first few videos, I thought, no, I, this would probably pay itself off before long because, man, it's just so fast. Uh, and like I warp stabilize all my B-roll and I can warp with, I, 
I've done a fair bit of testing with like the 9900K and something like, say, the 2950X. And the 2950X was good because I could warp stabilize quite a few more B-roll clips at once without the system mm -hmm. completely slowing down to a crawl. And I thought, let's just see what this thing can do. So I think it was about 25 to 30 B-roll clips, some of them quite long. I just did them all at once. And I was making a thumbnail in Photoshop <laughs> and everything. Like, this, like the system was doing nothing. I think it was about 70% CPU utilization in Premiere. And I was able to use the rest of the system like it was doing nothing. So yeah, it was, it, it was phenomenal. I was really impressed with what it could do. And then, yeah, Tim kind of convinced me. I, I'm excited. I mean, it's one of those things. It's so hard to know what to be excited for next year. Um, Tim put a he kind of convinced me with his argument of, you know, what NVIDIA is going to do and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. I'm just excited for all of it, really. I'm I'm a bit different to a lot of the other guys on YouTube. Uh, well, some of them anyway. I just like to put all of that other stuff out of my mind, just get the product in hand, get, get the drivers or whatever, and just start testing and see where it actually ends up. Um, but I know, you know, you, you in particular and a lot of, most of you like to talk about the stuff leading up and get excited about it, which is great. I mean, I do as mm -hmm. well. But I think just from the, the benchmarking angle with the channel, I just love to get it in hand and actually see what's what. And of course, it can evolve from that point as well. But yeah, it's just good to get things in hand and actually know what they really do. Well, so I imagine it may have just been your gut reaction answer too. Just like for, you might not know why, but maybe it was just like, I don't know. sounds interesting, right? You're just impressed, you know? Yeah, I mean, I've... Obviously, Zen 2 has been awesome. That's been a huge step forward and really exciting to test. And I feel like there's still more testing to be done there. Uh, and then, yeah, third gen Threadripper was just amazing seeing what that could do and how well that architecture came together. Um, just worked so much better than Zen Plus and, and Zen. So if I had have just tested a really exciting NVIDIA product, my answer True. may have been different. I guess the one thing I'll say about Zen 3 that I do actually want to add on here, I, especially because I imagine a lot of people listening to this episode probably come from your corner and probably haven't heard the <laughs> other one. So they don't, they might not know that I'm called an, a Zen 3 hype channel often. At least that oh, was really? one of my first big videos was like some Zen 3 leak I had like way, okay. way back. But the one thing I would say that's consistent, in my opinion about Zen 3, is that it's not called Zen 2 Plus. If AMD called it Zen 2 Plus, I think there'd be a reason to not be as hyped. Mm -hmm. Now, do I think it's going to be, you know, as revolutionary, and I'm making quotes, as Zen 2? <laughs> well, no, they, this is completely new. It's almost like incomprehensible to how we used to look at CPUs five years ago that were where we are now. So, no, I don't see Zen 3 being like that. But I think the little, I think we're at this cliff right now with AMD versus Intel. And I feel like Zen 3 is, could be the edge of the cliff that falls off where, because at least here's what I'm thinking of. I think it's not unreasonable to say they'll have seven to 10% higher IPC. I mean, they're complete, it's a completely new architecture. They're redesigning entirely how they handle CCXs and chiplets. There's no reason it couldn't have a decent IPC gain, probably not as big as Zen 2. Well, this is all speculation. I don't know. Sure. It'll be more than Zen 2. Um, <laughs> and we, it's at least AMD, I think, has loosely confirmed in a couple of like background things. They don't have slightly higher clock speeds. So let's say it has 10% higher single-threaded performance. They keep talking about efficiency too. Let's say it's like 20% lower power usage or something. You know, at, at face value, that doesn't sound nearly that impressive. But I think of it kind of like Intel's Ivy Bridge, where you go, well, yeah, but so right now, you're 
timed 3950X versus 9900KS is 5% behind the 9900KS or so in gaming. If you add 10% to that and then lower 20% power usage, now how bad does it look? And more importantly, if you were to use uh, you know, Titan memory timings with the 3900X or 3600X, how far behind the 3950X in gaming are those? Probably not much, maybe not at all in most <laughs> games. So the, I think the problem Intel would run into if AMD actually succeeds with 10% higher single-threaded isn't that the 4950X is best at gaming. It's that, no, the 4600X is probably only going to be about 5% worse. All of a sudden, it's not that the $500 chip from AMD beats Intel's $500 chip. It's about single-threaded. AMD's $200 chip beats Intel's $500 chip in gaming and now might use 20% less energy. And I think if that were to happen before Intel gets a proper response out, I'm actually kind of curious what you would even say at the end of the video, Steve, if you got to that point. I don't know. <laughs> We'd have to uh, wait and see. But yeah, well, obviously it would be, uh, well, it'd just be a continuation of what we're seeing now, really, wouldn't it? Mm -hmm. uh, well, and it shouldn't matter, right? 10% really shouldn't matter that much. But people just say, this crushes that. And it's like, eh, does it? Does the 2070 Super crush the 5700 XT? You know, I remember when cards were twice as powerful when they came out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I said, I don't like to comment too much on what might happen in the future. I just yeah. like to wait and see when we test it and see, see what happens there. It is really hard to say, especially when you start talking about that stuff. I don't remember who asked, but you're not getting the 3990X. <laughs> 3990X? I kind of meant it, would you ever get it for yourself, right? Yes, I just just gotten onto that, sorry. Uh, yeah, no, probably not. But again, yeah, there's no way I would be buying it. It's sort of professional design house kind of CPU, I imagine. So yeah, I think I am getting it to test from AMD whether I would put that in my editing rig is another question. <laughs> of course, I have to test it. I can't imagine Adobe Premiere scales too well. I think probably I, we've not. seen now nah, we've seen the twenty-four core to the thirty-two core model. It's almost no advantage. And like I said, I'm using the thirty-nine sixty X right now, and it's phenomenally good. Um, I think it's one of those situations where if I was given a spare sixty-four core CPU, I'd happily <laughs> throw it in there. I don't think there'll be any disadvantages like what we saw with the twenty-nine ninety WX. I think it'll just be a situation where. You won't be using those cores, so you won't be using those cores. That, that'll be it. Mm -hmm. It won't perform much different to the, the lower core count CPUs. Yeah, um, sorry for butchering that question. <laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> I actually am curious. What made you... Um, I'll, I'll start by saying what I remember. Uh, I remember noticing TechSpot in 2015-2016, mm -hmm. and I okay. was like, wow, this uh, website's pretty good. I can read its graphs. It has coherent thoughts, and its results are easy to reproduce. That may sound like I'm not giving that big of a compliment, but in my opinion, <laughs> half the time, you just beat most of the competition if you can do those oh, three things, even you. a little bit. And, and then I noticed hardware in box, and I think, I don't remember how many subscribers you had back then, but I swear it was a couple thousand or something. Could have been, yeah. Yeah, I mean... Well, I, I jumped in front of the camera at about 40,000 subscribers. So mm -hmm. we've been going for about a year and a half, two years at that point. Oh, okay. Because I just nearly remember the era where you weren't the main face of it. Yep. And then it became much, much bigger then. And I just started following the YouTube channel for the most part. But yeah, like okay. what brought you to 
you know, hardware unboxed or any of that. Like, where were you before any of it, really? Like, where, where <laughs> yeah. did you... I'm actually curious if you're willing to go, you know... Uh, I'll, well, I'll try and summarize my life's history here, but it mm-hmm. would be going back ooh, about 18 years, somewhere between 18 and 20 years off the top of my head. But basically, in high school, I was into console gaming, enjoyed mm-hmm. you know Nintendo and all that, loved that sort of stuff. Had a good friend who was into computers and his parents bought him a what was, you know, I can't even imagine how expensive this thing would have been at the time, mm-hmm. but absolutely ridiculous. It was a Voodoo 2 maybe, or I think it was actually original Voodoo. Um, anyway, it doesn't matter. Some really high-end gaming PC and he said, oh, the graphics are way better than your Nintendo. And I said, I find that hard to believe. <laughs> and then I went over to his house and he, I think it was... Mech Warrior 3D. I think it was one of the f- first 3D accelerated games. Anyway, I can't remember, but he showed it to me and it was just blew my mind how good it looked. So I was like, wow, I have to get one of these. So I had a part-time job at a local grocery store, worked for about a year, saved every dollar. Mm-hmm. And we had like these local computer swap meets. So kind of like computer markets where you got things. Basically, it seemed like it was just like tax-free hardware. Uh, that that was what the discounts were like. Anyway, went around, bought all the parts, spent about two days trying to get the thing to work because we were just winging it completely, putting it together like it was Lego. Anyway, after two days, we worked out there's a few memory issues and things, got them sorted out, got it up and running and uh, then started playing games on it. And I sort of thought, wow, I enjoyed the tinkering with the hardware and the building mm-hmm. almost more than the gaming, um, almost. <laughs> and... <laughs> Then got really into the Command and Conquer real-time strategy game. Um, absolutely loved that. Um, played that nonstop. Basically, we ended up winning uh, a monthly comp on it, mm-hmm. uh, and then I won a Razor Boom Slang mouse. Um, so it was like a super expensive mouse back then. Anyway, then they we had a website. Just started a GeoCities website, writing uh, <laughs> strategy guides for Command and mm-hmm. Conquer. And I think it was Razor approached us and said, oh, would you write a little article about using our mouse to play Command & Conquer on your website? So we were kind of blown away by that because, again, it took me about a week working at the local Mm -hmm. grocery store to afford a mouse or maybe even two weeks back then. So anyway, they sent the mouse over. We did a crappy little sort of bit on it. They absolutely loved it and said, we're releasing another one in a couple of months. We'll send it to you. And we were like, holy crap, we were sort of blown away by that. So this was me and my mate at the time. And we thought, why don't we start another GeoCities website where we test out hardware? And having no idea that, um, you know, there was an Antec at the time um, Mm -hmm. doing that sort of stuff. So got into it that way uh, and just started playing around. It was just a fun thing. We never thought it would lead to an actual real career or a job or anything. It was just, hey, we're getting cool hardware for free and we get to talk about it. So you know, that's what we did. And eventually that turned into a website called Legion Hardware, a tech site. I was going to say, I noticed that on <laughs> your email there. Yeah, yeah. So that was, again, no- nothing too serious. We were just doing it for fun. And I did that for, I don't know how many years, about a decade. Then TechSpot came along and said, oh, we really like a lot of the content you're posting on Legion mm-hmm. Hardware. Can we actually purchase that from you and republish it on our site? Um, so I thought, okay, <laughs> that's pretty easy money for me. And I'm happy for that, you know, to be published on a bigger website. So we did that for about two years and then they asked, you know, we'll pay you a bit more. Can you create unique content for us? So 
I really enjoyed working with the guys over there, the team at TechSpot. So I, I joined them. Um, and Legion, Legion Hardware sort of just became my hobby on the side where I, I covered stuff there that they necess- mm-hmm. didn't necessarily uh, want on TechSpot. And uh, probably 10 years now at TechSpot, something like that. Um, and then <laughs> that brings us about three, three, four years. Probably, I don't even know how long I've been doing YouTube for now. I think three years. Um, I'd have to. I mean, that sounds about right to what I remember. Yeah, I I think it's about that off the top of my head. Uh, And then Matt, the guy that was on the channel before me for about a year and a half, he said, basically, he was fairly well set up financially and and had a lot of time on his hands. So he had a few businesses that he'd invested in, Mm. and he wanted to do something else with his time, something different. And he really enjoyed watching YouTube content. He kind of liked the unboxing of products and stuff. And he's like, you've got so many products. You get so much stuff each week for TechSpot, Legion Hardware. What if I unboxed that? And I'm like, well, I'm not really interested in that if you want to do that, you know, because I I, I kind of looked <laughs> down on the whole YouTube tech scene um, in, in some ways. Some of it I respected, but I think because I loved the benchmarking so much, there wasn't really great benchmarking on YouTube. I don't know if that's unfair to say at the time, but... A lot of guys would just, you know, compare one or two cards mm-hmm. in like six games, play some music not in the background. Well, not not they wouldn't test a good stack of cards. They wouldn't test. It was actually my take on it was sort of a couple of synthetic benchmarks. Like your 3D mark was yeah. heavily used. Yeah. You have a benchmark. That was my take on it. Um, you know, we're going back probably six years ago now. A bit of music played over the top, and that was the benchmarks. And eh, I didn't didn't interest me. We I've never really done synthetic benchmarking. For GPUs. So wasn't interested in that. Matt wanted to do the unboxing thing. I wasn't interested. I said, look, if you want to invest your time and do it, I'm happy for you to unbox the products as they come in. I'll help you with the filming and the audio and stuff. And not that I knew much about that stuff Mm -hmm. at the time, but I thought we can work this out. So he he wanted to dedicate a day or so a week to it because he didn't have much else to do with his time. So he came over. We started messing around with setting up the camera, the audio and all that kind of stuff. We filmed our first unboxing video and we're like, yeah, that was kind of fun. We did a second <laughs> one, and then we were. We you still of, do them every now and then, I guess, because you have to. We we did a second like these were dedicated like one product unboxing videos, and he did a second one. And he just mm-hmm. thought, ah, this is boring. This isn't this isn't what I thought it was. So then um, Matt sort of said, "What if we do your tech spot content in YouTube format?" I was like, mm, "Okay, we can give that a go." So mm-hmm. that's kind of how it evolved. And then a year and a half into it, Matt wasn't really in love, let's say, with the whole editing, testing, the whole... It, it's super involved. So basically, the idea oh, yeah, was for, for, for the year and a half uh, that Matt was there, I did all the benchmarking, I created the graphs, I basically worked out the scripts and whatever, and then Matt just presented and helped edit and helped with the B-roll and stuff. And as the channel took off, we sort of put more and more time into it and... In the end, Matt was just, I think he was just thought, oh, you know, this is a lot of work for very little reward and he wasn't passionate about it um, and it wasn't really what he set out to do. Mm-hmm. And what he set out to do, he found even more boring. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, he sort of just said, oh, you know, I'm, I'm not looking at continuing the channel. Let's just end it there. It was a fun experiment, but that's the end of it. And I was, I was actually really enjoying the whole learning mm-hmm. how to edit and learning the camera stuff and 
And I thought to myself, well, I don't know. I feel like at 40,000 subscribers into this thing, we shouldn't kill yeah. it. So uh, I desperately didn't want to jump in front of the camera. It's just the last thing I wanted to do. Um, I don't really know why, because I'm not, I don't have any confidence issues or anything like that. I just wasn't interested in doing it. Uh, but then I did, and it was kind of fun. It went well. So I thought, all right, I'll just keep doing this thing and we'll see where we end up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a year and a half later, Tim had finished his uni degree in engineering and he was really enjoying creating the videos because he was sort of doing that part-time. And so we came to an agreement and brought him on full-time. Yeah. Uh, you know, two things really stick out to me about that is how you go, well, I don't think I want to do this because that's what I'm <laughs> seeing exists now. So yep. I'm just not going to bother with that stupid stuff. And then it takes forever to realize, well, I could just make exactly what I want. And then, oh, look, it turns out that's what other people actually were hoping would be made the whole time. And like yep. getting like my first, and I actually talk about this. I have a end of year series coming out. I talked to Paul from Not an Apple fan and we start laughing because the first part of it which is, I think he's part two, is I have my brother, I, I hand him these headphones that I'm wearing, and I say, all right, watch this video. And it's my first video I recorded for my channel. I've never made it public. It's oh, so yeah. bad. It's covered in <laughs> gimmicks. I'm like drinking wine. I'm wearing sunglasses <laughs> inside. I have no idea why. None of the graphics worked. <laughs> like It's all busted. And I just show it to my brother while he's just laughing and watching it. And I'll like release clips from it and like near the end of the year, just to admit where I was a year ago. And it's just like, yep. I thought for some reason I had to have all these gimmicks because it's on YouTube and sure. I had to do this other stuff because that's what other people were doing. And then it just turned out, no, all people really want is someone passionate mm-hmm. about what they want to talk about. And if yep. it's computer hardware, just do that well. And it turns out you don't need to do any of the stuff anyone else is doing if you don't want to. Yes, exactly. Uh, very, very similar thing f- for us as well. Like, I was looking at the guys that were successful at the time, how they were presenting, what they were doing, and ours was so different. And I just thought, oh, it can't work, but I don't want to do that. So I guess we just do it our way and it either works or it doesn't. And that that's the approach we took. Uh, and I think the biggest hurdle that I think we've, well, people seem pretty happy with the way we've dealt with it is actually creating the graphs you see on tech sites like TechSpot and making that so it fits into a single window on YouTube, <laughs> that's really, really difficult to do. Um, and we've come up with a few different layouts for different content so we can fit that stuff in. I mean, it's the gold standard, I think, in how you should present graphs. I know that... Oh, thanks. <laughs> he looks really... You know, I know you don't want to take the compliment, but I'm going to make you. I just... It is honestly, before I discovered TechSpot and some of your content, I was just like, why is it so hard to make a readable graph? <laughs> and then you do it and you present far more information often than I see on other uh, places where there's like five graphics cards compared. You have 33 and it's easier to read than their three cards. Oh yeah, thanks. Does mean a lot. Um, but yeah, it it's you probably don't see a lot of it because it really is hard to do. And I think most people like us, we use Excel. I don't know if you've done much graphing mm-hmm. in Excel to try it, but getting it yeah. so... The aspect ratio is correct. The size is correct. Everything fits in. Every time you change uh, mm-hmm. like the level of zoom you're using in Excel, it breaks all of that. 
So you have to set the the Excel file to whatever zoom percentage you're working with, then configure all the dimensions of your graph and export them there. And if you change it even by like, if you go from 40% viewing to 41%, it completely breaks everything. Oh, and so, look at that. You uh, put RTX 1080 Ti instead of GTX 1080 Ti. Uh, and yeah, now well, you've got to go back and change everything then, or decide if you care. Then there, yeah, then there's the whole typos, which are uh, another nightmare to deal with as well. But yeah, making the graphs working at the format, it is, it is um, challenging, but it's where we invested pretty much all of our time initially because I felt like that was the thing I cared about most was mm-hmm. delivering the information through the graphs. So that that was our focus there. Um, but yeah, I'm, gl- I'm glad you like them. <laughs> so well, that's yeah. Good. I mean, I reference them all the time. I mean, um, uh, again, because I can actually reproduce your results, which again, you'd mm-hmm. be, or maybe you wouldn't be surprised how often I can't re- reproduce some results. But also just because I know if I throw this up quick, people will see it and get the information. And I mean... I think the thing you touched on too, that was the second thing that stuck out to me is just the thing about passion is it's like, well, like someone might go, well, that, well, actually most people assume it's not a lot of work, <laughs> whatever <laughs> you're working boy. on, which <laughs> it's, it's so much more work than you can imagine. I think it's interesting how people focus on different things. Like I have always, uh, for the past 10 years, I've been really into a lot of podcasts. And so I want to do a good podcast. And I think, for instance, I'll give an example if we have an audio blip in a video, mm-hmm. most people won't notice it. But if your eyes are closed and you aren't distracted by dancing colors, any little tick, <laughs> noise, anything sounds 10 times worse. And pr- trust me, they will tell you in the comments section. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's, I think, uh, like, for instance, I'm just speaking for myself. Like, people see, well, I put out like a podcast episode that's two hours long, double edited on every podcasting platform and then YouTube. And it's like, well, he just records it, throws it on there. No, no, no. It, <laughs> to do it well, it's a lot of work. And it, you can't do it unless you just want to make it. Like, mm-hmm. it certainly isn't uh, for the money. <laughs> no. Like, no, it's, it's like, hopefully the money gets there eventually if you do a mm-hmm. good enough job. But that's certainly not what you set out to do it for. Yeah, I mean, even then, you're putting in that many yeah. hours and it's always on your mind and you're always thinking about it that, yeah, you've just got to be doing it for because you're passionate about it, like you say. That, that's it. If you're doing it just for money, you'll never make it. it. It's as simple as that, really. And to touch on what you were you said originally, not to take, like I certainly didn't want to take anything away from the guys who are on the platform before us because a lot mm, of them do no. do a f- fantastic job. And that was the thing that struck me the most was just how hard it is taking what I've been writing and putting on TechSpot and putting that into video format, mm-hmm. especially when you're jumping in front of the camera. Uh, I was blown away by just how difficult it was, the filming process, then the editing, uploading it, all that sort of stuff. So it's a lot more involved than than you think initially, I think. it's it's And it's one of those yeah. things that it's hard to appreciate until you've done it. It is. Uh, I would say, um, and it's not to kind of like, it isn't supposed to be like self-congratulatory conversation yeah. or anything like sure. that, but it's just kind of like, I see on Reddit, someone go, I can do a better job than this guy. And I'm not even talking about myself. He could be talking about you. He could be talking about mm-hmm. any other YouTuber. Mm-hmm. And then 
you know, maybe they're in a hate fest about you, Steve. I don't know if you've ever <laughs> seen those occur online. I'm oh, sure you've never from seen them. <laughs> and then there will be like three people below that guy go, oh, you should. You seem really smart. Definitely better than him. And it's never a situation where you get a few videos from a new guy who's like, I've never once seen a channel emerge like, I'm here to bring down this guy. Yeah. And then they keep making videos. It's always someone makes a channel, they're passionate, and they just don't bother people, or it's mm-hmm. nothing. And the mm-hmm. reason is all of those people on Reddit, if they act, and some people do, and they make a good channel, but it's because of the passion. It's not because they had to beat someone, because what they'll find is the challenge isn't being more accurate, even necessarily, than someone or getting the most stuff. It's actually just having the passion to work 16 hours straight. And it's any of those people hating on you will realize three hours in, this isn't worth it. (laughs) I don't care anymore. (laughs) Oh, wow. maybe And they probably won't admit that you put 16 hours into the video, but that's why you never see channels emerge to bring down hardware unboxed or Moore's Lost (laughs) Dead or anything like that. Yeah. No, it doesn't really work like that at all. Yeah. It doesn't take much energy to uh, leave a hateful comment on Reddit or whatever, but it takes a huge amount of energy to actually contribute in a meaningful way to the community with you know something that's useful. Uh, but, but yeah, that's that. But I'll, I know what you mean. I, I hate complaining or I hate seeming like I'm um, complaining about it because I do mm-hmm. love doing what I do. Like I'm very grateful and I, I really love the community that we have. I think for the most part, you know, the community is amazing. So yeah, I really, I feel fortunate and do appreciate that we get to do what we do, which is play with new hardware, which is what we're passionate about. But as you're saying, you, you do have to be passionate about it to actually do it in the first place. Well, and you think you're passionate about it, and then you realize just how passionate you actually are about it once you get going with it. But actually, I'll change the subject by going to another reader mail here, open a fresh <laughs> letter. Crass says, Steve, do you get upset when people ask you a monitor-related question? Why is Tim the monitor guy? Uh, well, he knows just significantly more about monitors than I do. My monitor knowledge is pretty below average even, I would say. Uh, I don't spend a lot of time researching them. Someone asked in a Q&A, why is it that I don't recognize the importance of a, a good monitor? Which was kind of funny because hmm. I do, which is why I own a good monitor. <laughs> so mm. I, I just go and buy a, a, an A-grade you know, top tier kind of monitor and that's it for, I don't know, five, 10 years until there's a reason to upgrade. And that comes back to, again, what we're passionate about and doing the content that we enjoy. And I love testing GPUs. I love testing CPUs, all that kind of core PC hardware tech stuff. I don't really enjoy looking at, say, storage that much or Mm -hmm. peripherals. I don't really enjoy looking at too much. And monitors kind of falls under that category. I, I certainly appreciate and recognize the need for a good monitor and how important a monitor is. It's very, very vital. Yeah. Just, it's easy just, to forget, though, once you have one. And yeah. also, I mean, it, I've been thinking about this lately because I've had the same 1080p 144 hertz monitor for like three or four years now. <laughs> and it's not just like a graphics card. I don't just like take it out and put a new one in. I've got to measure to see if it fits on my desk. I've got to see, do I want to mount this? It's all, it's yep. a whole thing. There's a sure. lot more effort into looking for a new monitor. There's a lot of variables, as you say, like down to just the quality of the image, refresh rates, all that kind of stuff, which is Tim does a fantastic job of testing all of that. 
But Tim's extremely passionate about monitors. It's just that's his thing. Yeah. His reviews are pretty good. I mean, he does a lot more analysis of like actually looking at the response time and color mm-hmm. than, I mean, you're lucky if you even get that in some reviews. Sure. Fine. Yep. But, yeah, I, I think. And I like I speaking, I don't know if I'm speaking for you, I'll speak for myself. I, I probably couldn't be bothered to do that most of the time. You know, like you say, I do my, re- I mean, if I had to do the review, I guess I would. But sure. like when I get a monitor, the research first and I'm done. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't go to the lengths Tim does, which is why I don't do it because I wouldn't be doing monitor reviews justice. But when it comes to actually purchasing a monitor, I've done a lot of research in the past to make sure I'm getting a good quality monitor. So yeah, I think I think uh, what he does is great. I really, really like his monitor content and glad to have him on board. And he does a lot of awesome other testing as well. Like you've seen the game guides. He just looked at the mm-hmm. uh, Radeon Boost. So that was interesting. And yeah. I guess I'll go back to... I'm actually curious to just kind of discuss a little bit of some of the hardware releases again that came mm-hmm. out this year. I, a question I like kind of asking everyone I've found is, what did you... And this is going way back now, I guess. Uh, okay. Although really mm-hmm. not that long ago, if you think about it. Um, what were you expecting out of Zen 1 before it came out? <laughs> that's a hell of a I like that question because... That's I, a I'll, hell of a question. Well, well, let me frame it this way because uh, I was... Um, I don't know. I was like, you know what? Maybe uh, if it has at least... And this is before I saw the initial benchmarks in late 2016 too. Like I'm saying, <laughs> even early 2016, I was like, well, who knows? They're using this new architecture that seems... It can't be worse than Piledriver, or I'm sorry, than Bulldozer, <laughs> that's for sure. Uh, but, you know, maybe if it's, uh, like my hopes, I would say, I was like, if it has at least Sandy Bridge IPC, if it can go at least above three gigahertz and have eight cores, they say they're going to have more cores than Intel, maybe that's what we'll get, something that's more efficient than Intel, but is, you know, like Sandy Bridge IPC at like 3.5 gigahertz. And of course, what we got was not that. Um, I wonder what you were thinking of even before they started showing off benchmarks. Um, I don't, like I said, leading up to these sort of hardware releases and announcements, I don't like to get too invested in them because we don't talk about that on our channel. So there's not too much point. And I'm like, I do tons of speculation on my channel. That's right. Different channel. Like I'm not putting down that kind of, I think it's exciting to I honestly think it's exciting it's interesting it's great to talk about it's just that we don't do it um mm-hmm. while you're speculating and talking and doing your thing I'm madly benchmarking and trying to find out you know other things about the hardware we already have and I'm not saying one's better than the other or anything like that it's just that's where I usually put my time so I probably wasn't I would have just been crossing my fingers saying please <laughs> please be decent Please be decent because I can't take any more of this just Intel. I don't care which company's on top. I just want competition. And having it, whether whether it was just AMD or just Intel, having just one company so ridiculously dominant was just yeah. made my job boring. And we barely covered CPUs through that period. Oh, yeah. Because every time we did, Why? we just like, get a Core i3. <laughs> Tom's Hardware did a good review, a title of a review for the Haswell i7. The forty-seven seventy K, and the mm-hmm. title of the review was just "Yes, comma Haswell is faster than the previous one." Period. Enthusiast <laughs> yawn. Uh, yeah. It's like it's technically faster. Next review. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was like that for how many generations? 
So Sandy Bridge, I believe, was 2010. (laughs) That was the last time you got excited before Ryzen. So yeah, I look, I was really all I would have been thinking was, I just hope this thing's good or at least decent. Mm -hmm. That that would have been it. Then when I saw the initial benchmarks, I'm like, okay, it's looking promising. It sounds pretty good, but again. Uh, proofs in the pudding, I'll believe it when I see it kind of deal. And then that first week of testing, that was a nightmare. Probably it stuck mm-hmm. in my head because it was just so painful testing first gen Ryzen for that first week. Just lots of things going wrong, lots of things mm-hmm. not working. Performance was all over the place. Like did yeah. not know what to make of it. Um, you, you know, your, your Cinebenches, Corona, Blender, it was just kicking ass in those things. And then gaming was just atrocious and we couldn't work out why. And then thankfully gaming got better and better, you know, up to the up to the release. Like I can't even remember how many BIOS updates we had in that one <laughs> week. It was just crazy. Um, I remember talking with Steve from Gamers Nexus and a lot of the other Australian YouTubers, and we were just having a hell of a time. But by the time it was released, I think. I'd have to go back and actually watch my conclusion of that video. But I think something, I said something along the lines of, it's looking good, guys. It's looking promising. I almost feel like this is a preview at this point, the actual day Mm -hmm. one review, but it looks promising. I think I left at that. And then it was, what, a month or two later, we had Ryzen 5, uh, the 1600 and the 1600X Mm -hmm. come along. And it was at that point that I was like, okay, this this is looking good. Like they've refined it. Over those that that small amount of time, uh, yeah, this is this is a serious competitor at this point. I, at the, <laughs> even then, I had no idea where we would end up just a few years later. Uh, but I, I was relieved because there was a reason to recommend like the Ryzen 5 1600. And back then, I was one of the few that were recommending mm-hmm. the 1600 over yeah. the 7600K because I was like, under realistic gaming conditions, it's you really can't tell the difference between the two. It's only if you look at the graphs at your low resolution testing, which is important. But with what it's twelve threads versus four, four cores versus six with <laughs> SMT, I just couldn't see a world two, three years down the track where the Ryzen processor wasn't better. And we're seeing that now. Like there's quite a few examples where the Ryzen five processor, if you look at the average frame rates, it's not too bad. But that's very deceiving because when you look at the one percent lows, it's terrible. And when you play yeah. the game, like I know you play Battlefield Five multiplayer with a quad core now. It's horrible. And yeah, uh, uh, Battlefield Four is when, uh, uh, for whatever reason, I had an Ivy Bridge i five in like 2012. I yeah. actually had a power supply that broke eight motherboards in a row, except Oof. it would take over a month to break them. So uh. I would have. So you know the tr- the you know basically the trial and error took a month each time, Jeez, and it took rough. over a year. There, there's this one point where like the fifth, sixth time it broke, it was like on Thanksgiving or something. I just ran outside and started chopping wood in half over and <laughs> over because I was so angry it kept happening. Oh, and uh, yeah, and eventually I just got rid of it and I managed to somehow trade for a Haswell i7, okay. even though I had an Ivy Bridge i5, basically for the same price. And then that motherboard broke. And then I was like, okay, it's the power supply. Now I know it's not any of this other stuff that I've had to switch through. And and I remember right about then, Battlefield 4 came out. And I remember I was like, my CPU was at like 70% usage Mm -hmm. in Battlefield 4 multiplayer. And I was just like, oh, I'm not recommending the i5 to anyone anymore. That was back in, I don't know, 2013, I think. Yeah. 
I think I said a similar thing at the time as well. So that was a a bit of a telltale for me that one. Uh, and there's a there was one or two other games where we sort of started seeing really high utilization on the Core i7s. So that's yeah, pretty clear sign that the Core i5s are on the way out. And yeah, there's more than half a dozen games where the i5 is pretty unplayable today. So the quad core mm-hmm. i5 anyway. Uh, I'd say, yeah, I mean, it exceeded my expectations. And I think basically they've exceeded my expectations basically every release um, so far. Uh, I, I I guess I, I do have to ask, what do you think about um, uh, the... RTX Turing launch and kind of Navi so far. <laughs> like, I don't know if you have any gut, you know, thoughts well, on how it's going so far. Yeah, um, I can sum it up pretty quickly. I think Turing's been a bit of a, a flop, in in mm-hmm. my opinion. I, yeah, I recognize I kind of messed up a bit in that recent video I did comparing the 5700 XT to the 1070, uh, the 1070 and the 2060 mm. Super. Um, yeah, I would probably, well, the benchmark I actually results, agreed with your overall sentiment. Yeah, that's right. So I would pull the video if that wasn't the case, but I definitely, yeah, messed up in a few things like the, I messed up with the GTX 770 quote. It was really the 970 I was looking at. So that's kind of dumb, but it's really hard. You, you can only, thinking about this more, you can really only look at this generation on generation. You can't go back a few generations or a few releases because there's too many other variables that come into play that sort of muddy the waters. Things like VRAM capacity, things like, you know, the competition at the time. Mm. Or the, there's just so many different things, so it's difficult. I, I still think overall the 5700 XT, the 50-ish percent performance uplift you're seeing over the GTX 1070, I think that's reasonable. It's not amazing, but I don't think that's cause for sort of saying, oh, you know, we're in a terrible situation at the moment. And Mm -hmm. backtracking a little bit, the reason I made that video was because people might think I have like RTX 2080 Ti's galore in my system or whatever. and, (laughs) And I could, I could, but I usually don't. I keep them for testing other things. And I usually just in my system throw in whatever I've got spare of or whatever I'm interested. I often change around a bit just to get a, a, you know, like I said, my editing system in the last year, I I ran the Core i9 9900K for a bit. I ran the 2950X and now I'm at the 3960X. So I like to not just build a system and leave it. I like to sort of mess around and and Mm -hmm. see how the different hardware performs. So I had a GTX 1070 for the longest time. I didn't have a 1080 or 1080Ti in my, Mm -hmm. my gaming system. I used a 1070 and I found it was yeah, you tweak the settings a bit like what Tim does in his guides and it's perfectly yeah. fine at like 1440p. So I was using that for a long time. Then I jumped up to a 2080 Ti, played at 4K for a bit. It is impressive stuff. And then I went to a 5700 XT because I've spent so much money on those things. I've bought, I think I've tested nearly every single one and I've bought about half of them. So mm. they're, they're about seven $800 each Australian. So I've spent many, many thousand dollars on mm-hmm. 5700 XTs. So I chucked one in my own rig and sort of tweaked up the settings at 1440p and I was seeing phenomenal performance. I was blown yeah. away. And I'm playing all the latest games, you know, Borderlands 3, Red Dead 2, everything, playing all the latest games. I was really impressed by the experience that could be had at 1440p by just 
tweaking the settings a, li a little bit and not really losing much or any visual quality, I just thought, wow, you can really have a fantastic game. I know it's a $400 US card, mind you. It's not yeah. a $200 US card, but it's still a premium experience, in my opinion. I think it's still a really good gaming experience. And I was shocked by how much faster it seemed than the GTX 1070, which was a similar price card. And mm -hmm. Pascal was a massive leap forward, in my opinion, anyway, from, mm -hmm. from Maxwell and what we... I, I loved Pascal. I thought the GeForce 10 series was phenomenal. And so I was really wrapped with the, the 1070 at the time. So, yeah, I thought, I'm going to look into this. So I actually ran all the benchmarks first. And then I went mm -hmm. over all the data. I was like, wow, 48% on average. That, to me, seems pretty good. Mm -hmm. Um. And then I went back and looked, and where I made the error was, yeah, I messed up with looking. I, I looked at some some data that I had, and I sort of messed up. It didn't it didn't change things too much, but I would have been best off not even talking about that because it was kind of like an afterthought that I kind of made the focus of the video with wrapping things up. I don't know. And then, mm -hmm. yeah, I know what you mean. I've done that a million times, right? Like my the initial focus of my video is this one thing, and then I yeah. Make it. And it kind of turns into something else. And usually, yep. the thing it turns into is better. It's like, oh, I didn't know that's what I wanted sure. to say. Yep. But sometimes I realize, ah, oh, did I just uh, make everyone focus on this? And sometimes I just blame people for focusing on the wrong <laughs> thing. But sometimes it is my fault, you know? That Maybe was, I shouldn't have just said that. Yeah, you know? I, I definitely screwed up on that one. Um, so I would like to, when I get time, I'm, I've started doing a bit of testing, but I'd like to have a bit of a do-over. But I did say the 35% performance uplift NVIDIA showing with their refresh 2060 Super is not good. Like, right, and and that was, I don't know if you saw my video. I had a video that responded to yours a little bit, uh -huh. and I said, I think it's actually a great time to build now compared to other times, but there sure. has been other times that were yep. better than now. And yep. I think one thing is, if you're a creator, it's just so easy to forget some people might not care about 16 core processors and all of that. And that for them, it doesn't seem that much better. And especially, especially if for some reason you insist on only buying NVIDIA, <laughs> which a lot of people do, you know? Sure. I mean, NVIDIA still the, has the most market share. It might feel terrible. And it's just like, well, you don't have to just buy NVIDIA, you know? <laughs> if you've got NVIDIA glasses on and that's it, then yeah, it's, it's really not good. Um, and I guess maybe I was trying to highlight the fact that, you know, the 5700 XT is offering a lot of value at this at this price point. I did note in that video, look, if you're talking about real high-end stuff, not a great time. Uh, mm -hmm. The real low-end, like your heavily discounted Polaris cards, they're, I mean, they're old, they're a bit power-hungry, but again, you chuck in like an RX 570 for, what are they down to, like 120, 130 US? Yeah, and then you can get them like 80 bucks, $70 used. It's actually ridiculous. It is. I said that in a used guide I did earlier in the year. That's been a, that's been the case for a while. And I mean, that's a, 1080p, you get a, a premium gaming experience with that card at, mm -hmm. at 1080p. It's, it's, it's pretty good. And you can tweak the settings, 40 and 40p is doable. Um, so yeah, but yeah, messed up a bit on that one. I think one of the things you took issue with uh, with what I said was sort of bashing the 28 nanometer era. Um, yeah, and let me put this too. I think for me, I was waiting for 16 and 14 nanometer forever. Well, we we all 
were forever waiting for something new to come. And while it was certainly better, I remember seeing it and going, oh, I don't know, 290X is pretty much just as good as, in my opinion, as Pascal was over Maxwell. Certainly not as efficient, as much as an efficiency gain by any means. But, you know, know, it's just, I don't know. I saw the, how many years were we stuck there for? Like four or five years? Depends how you count it, right? The 7970 paper launched at the end of 2011. And sure. then and then in two years, you get 290. Well, really a year and a half, you get the 290X. And then in about a year and a half, two years, you get the Theory X 980 Ti. 980Ti was the winner of that one. You know, and you know, you're getting pretty big performance increases about every year and a half, every two years back then as well. Of course, the die sizes were massively bigger, but I, 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 the power usage actually didn't really go up every gen. Yeah, it was definitely the, the a time where they brute forced the performance improvements mm-hmm. by bigger dies. And the reason, I, I mean, I wouldn't argue, I think that was a better time for GPUs, but it was a competitive time top to bottom, really. I mean, mm-hmm. the, how competitive it was Sort it was of, insanely uh, fa- competitive. Yeah, it faded as time went on. By the time you got to like the Fury X versus the 980 Ti, but yeah, it was well. 2012, we got the 7970, and that was like mm-hmm. um, was it? That was 352 millimeter square die for 550 dollars US. Mm-hmm. And then the die grew, I think, by about 25 ish percent. It's like 430-something, I believe, with the 290X. Yeah. Of course, big Kepler was 600. It was massive. That was was, was a bit of a fail, that product, um, Mm -hmm. in some ways. Well, it sold out, and they couldn't keep it in stock. Wow. It was a fail in the eyes of people who... That's right. That's right. Um, I mean, you can even say that about... Well, actually, no, that's not true. I was going to say you could say that about Intel processors, but no, you can't anymore. Um, They're getting smashed in sales. Well, so um, let me let me uh, go with that thread just a little bit. Then, when people, this is one thing I want to actually say, t- is when people say, "Well, it doesn't matter. Who cares what happens? Everyone's just going to buy Intel and Nvidia anyways." And I'm like, I don't think they are. At least not, not anymore, because they're not. <laughs> no, well, Nvidia is a slightly uh, different story because, well, because they've got a good product. Essentially, mm-hmm. and they're there. I mean, well, well <laughs> depends. <laughs> Let's not get too far into that one. But they mm-hmm. are, they do run without competition from what is it like five hundred dollars US up? Well, six hundred US up. Let's say there's there's nothing that goes against the twenty eighty super. Twenty eighty super, yeah, yeah. And there's nothing, obviously, the twenty eighty ti. So there's no competition at all there. So if you're a, a streamer with deep pockets and you want to promote a good product. Or, or an expensive mm-hmm. premium product, that's what they all have. So that's why they've got the mind share there. But Intel's got a completely different problem. They're now inferior and they're more mm-hmm. expensive and they offer less. So you can only get away with that for a very brief moment in time before you have to uh, mm-hmm. pull something out. And they haven't been able to do that now for a few years. Well, and NVIDIA is losing market share though. You know, yeah. they are. It's not like AMD's running away. It's nowhere near that, but they aren't gaining market share anymore. They aren't, and they've lost it a few quarters. Yeah, I mean, am I wrong in saying they're at the point where they couldn't really gain anymore without making AMD extinct? I don't know. I think, well, that's the funny thing people forget so much is the 290X, as impressive as it was, that was their worst period of sales relative to NVIDIA, the 290X era. 
That, that was mm. when they were below 19% sales mm. quarter for quarter. And AMD actually outsold NVIDIA <laughs> the first half of 2019 before Navi came out. Which yeah, is I an mean, argument you know, I keep making. It's really about their CPU mindshare. People get a AMD CPU, they tend to get an AMD graphics card. And sure, I mean, there's probably that factor. I think they did, did they do any bundles? Some retailers might have done bundles where, you know, you get a Polaris GPU with a Ryzen CPU. I'm not sure if much of that went on, but the other factor would be those Polaris, those um, Radeon 500 series GPUs, which is dirt cheap. I know, like, right, which tells like, you like, yeah. GTX 1650 or RX570. It's like pretty obvious which one you should buy there. <laughs> well, well, Steve, I don't want to get a used card. I thought of this the <laughs> other day. Well, here's the thing though. A used RX570 is half the price of a 1650. So if you're worried it's going to break, just buy two. <laughs> just well, buy two. To, you have a backup a, one. You don't even have to buy used though. Like how long have you been able to buy a new 570 for like $130? It's 150 at least for a 1650. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's really power. It's impressive how power efficient they are. But at the end of the day, gamers care about their FPS counter. And when you're getting, I don't know, 15, 20%. How much more does it use idling though, right? Yeah, well, that's it. That So yeah, it's a good point. Um, it's mostly just, and even then, usually they've got bigger coolers as well. So it's more the margin is is sort of taken off at the AIB and AMD's end. So it's not like you're getting a card that's screaming loud. Like I've tested quite a oh, few no. 570s and they're, they're pretty good. So you're paying less for a card with a better cooler. I know it has to be better because it's dealing with more heat. But anyway, that's that one. But yeah, I think overall, I think it's fair to say Turing has been, well, in my eyes, it's been a flop. Would you say it failed your expectations? I mean, I think we can, you know, say in retrospect, it's probably NVIDIA wish it sold more, you know, and we wish it was stronger. But I, because I'll just speak for myself. I, when I first heard the announcement of this ray tracing stuff, I thought, well, most of this is marketing, you know, whatever. But, you know, maybe it'll work out well. You know, maybe they'll use the ray tracing cores for lighting, even if it's not ray tracing, and then they can offload part of it, which they did. And it's, and sometimes they don't even use the RT cores for ray tracing. Yep. Uh, well, my announcement video wasn't terribly flattering. Uh, there was a lot of things I didn't like, like the one-month pre-order period. I didn't oh, like yeah. all the stuff Jensen was saying because it just seemed like you were, you've you sort of said it probably wasn't going to come come true. Uh, so, and I, based on the specs, I just did, I actually overestimated the performance. I mm. thought the performance Me would be too. better than what we got. I thought the 2080 Ti at least would be stronger. Yeah, that's what I thought. And I thought even based on that, they still wouldn't be great in terms of value. It seemed like they were milking gamers a bit uh, or quite a bit. And then we reviewed them and it was even worse than we thought. And we couldn't even test ray tracing for the initial review, which was an absolute joke based on what Jensen said. And the situation hasn't really improved since then. I mean, in my opinion, it just seems like the RT cores and the performance that it can muster for ray tracing just isn't there to make any noticeable impact to visuals. And some of the mm-hmm. better examples like control, yeah, I mean, it looks pretty cool with it enabled, but the performance hit is still massive, absolutely massive. 
And they're really I think pushing. there's an argument. Some of it's a placebo effect, too, because I think people turn on ray tracing. The picture changes and they go, ooh, yes. but like you'll look at blood and now it's a reflecting mirror. Blood doesn't reflect like a mirror. <laughs> Blood's know, actually right? a pretty dense liquid. Yeah. Uh, so in many ways, and I remember, I don't know, it may have been Tim when he did his ray tracing analysis and he showed Metro. It was either him or someone else, but he also touched on similar subjects either way where in Metro, what is it, Exodus, uh, like on the train, he's like going past a forest and you look at the trees and you can see like the lighting kind of you know, it gets dark under them and you turn on ray trace and you see more lights bounce. But then he also noticed, I think it was, I, I hope I'm summarizing this correctly, like the light on top of the branches all of a sudden was like kind of brighter in some areas. And he goes, well, actually, it looks like the shadow isn't even shown here and here anymore. And it, and so in reality, well, kind of looks better. Also, now some shadows that should be there aren't. So <laughs> I make the argument. I don't even really think it makes it look better. It's just we just move where the shadows are. Yeah, I, I don't really disagree with that. I, It's one of those things as well, like you were saying, the placebo effect. Not even that it's a placebo effect in like control. It's more that you turn it on and if you stop and you walk past the mirror and then you go back and you, you turn, turn it off and change and do all the comparisons and whatnot. But then when you actually just play the game, is it really enhancing the experience? Mm -hmm. That's what I question. And I know in a lot of the games it doesn't because I've played with it on and off and I honestly can't even tell half the time because I'm not stopping to look at my reflection in a mirror. Tim and I have had this discussion a lot and we NVIDIA make the argument they're pushing visuals in games forward and they're doing this wonderful thing for the gaming community and it's like, okay, you've bought one of these cards. You could argue that controls implementation is pretty good. You could argue that maybe the performance hit in Modern Warfare is not that bad. Mm -hmm. And it's it's kind of good. I mean, whatever. But how much time have the developers spent implementing this technology that they could have spent with weapon mm -hmm. balancing and gameplay and all that kind of stuff? And then what's really going to enhance the game more for gamers is if they'd spent time making the game actually better and more enjoyable to play or make the graphics a teeny tiny little bit better for people who have RTX graphics cards. So I'm not sure they've really enhanced anything for gamers. I think, in summary, if they hadn't hyped it up to be something that it evidently hasn't been, mm. and there's the whole pricing thing as well, but basically if they didn't make it a, a primary feature of the card, if it wasn't limited to a very small selection of games, and then of those small selection of games... You could arguably, or you could argue that it's decent in a couple of them. If it wasn't all that, I, I, I think everyone would be fine with it. If basically it was just, they were like, hey, there's this other feature, kind of like how AMD, I imagine, would have done it. We've got this other feature that we're now mm -hmm. supporting. And yeah, that's it. It's like async compute or whatever. Like It's just a feature that is in our architecture. Um, and yeah. Well, I guess I'll ask a reader mail question here. Chicago Fire asks, I bought a 1080 in late 2016. Well, I don't feel the need to upgrade yet. I suspect I'll want to within the next year or so. Any suggestions for those of us with aging cards on when we should look at getting new high-end cards? Well, when it makes sense, really. You're just going to mm. look at those cost per frame graphs every time we do a video. And I do uh, try to keep the older cards in there. Um, sometimes mm -hmm. I can't do 
a cost per frame analysis because you know, you're looking at really old MSRPs. But it'll be when you get a good performance uplift for whatever money you're willing to spend. But right now, not really anything for, no. for a 1080. If it was a if it was a 1070, I would have said maybe like an RX 5700 XT, but yeah, I mean, I, that card's still pretty capable. I'd probably hold on to it and see what the next sort of gen cards offer. Probably looking at another year with that. What do you reckon? I mean, I think the the telling, most telling thing in what he asked is I don't feel the need to upgrade yet. Well, so then you yeah, don't, well, you know? Yeah. And I, and I think the problem right now with NVIDIA's lineup that I also want to point out that I think is pretty funny is if you, th- again, like uh, if we're talking about I mean, I got into PC gaming, I guess, in the 4,000, 5,000 series. Uh, but I, uh, like my favorite, when I was the most like just pouring over benchmarks for the first time was like 7,290X versus Kepler, that era. And I remember graphics cards coming out that were 40, 50% stronger. I mean, and before that, I mean, the 5,870, I don't know. I think it was about double the 4,870. It was, it, was, it was substantially stronger. It was just so much... Yep. And I, I've always thought of like, I, I can't, I basically have upgraded for mining <laughs> over the past four years. Like I've upgraded, will it mine better? No, nope, <laughs> it's Vega, it will. Uh, and so that's when I upgrade, but it's never really been for, if it wasn't for mining, I'd be using the Fury Nitro I got for $300 at the end of 2016 to this day. Um, and cause I still game in 1080p, so four gigs would be fine. And uh, the thing going on right now is no card really makes sense besides a 570 or a 5700 XT, in my opinion. I mean, there's the 2080 Ti, or I would actually argue Titan RTX if you want to go all out. Something Thanks. I like to remember, remind people is when they say, well, you know, I get the 2080 Ti because I just want the best. Oh, you have a Titan RTX? <laughs> no, no, no. I want to pay $1,200 for the second best card. Oh, you do? That's a weird aspiration to have. But uh, yeah, it's a jab I just have to keep throwing in, just reminding people, you actually don't have the best card. But um, if you look at the performance difference between the 2060 all the way up to the 2080 Super, we're like a 50% difference. So there's like 2060, 2060 Super, 2070, 2070 Super, 2080, 2080 Super, we're like 5% performance differences. Really, the 5700 XT is within about 20% of eight cards or whatever from NVIDIA. Yep. And it's cheaper than almost all of them. So I think it's, it we're in an unfortunate situation where there's really just one card. There's one card. I don't know what to say. I mean, that's honestly my opinion in the high end. And until there's something new, I don't know what we could even recommend. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair really i mean again you look at the cost per frame graphs and once you go beyond that 400 dollars part it's just diminishing returns the cost per frame increases significantly while the performance doesn't and that's why mm-hmm. the cost per frame increases so yeah i mean you've got the 5700 the 5700 xt so that's 300 and what is it 350 to 400 um yeah. well, they're down to like 300 mm-hmm. now even so and then below that uh, it's sort of your your Polaris cards. Those lower-end cards, it's a bit competitive there as to whether you go with maybe one of the new Super cards, whether it's the 1650 Super or the 1660 Super. Sure. But then, yeah, the high-end, as you say, it's really just if you've got the money to burn. Mm-hmm. Like, you just go screw it. I've 
got you one. I mean, what is even an RTX 2080 Ti these days? Is it, It's not even a $1,000 card, is it? It's more like 1100 US. It's more like twelve to 1300 12, yeah. So that's, in, yeah, pretty insane. So are you willing to talk about the art? I was actually going to bring that up eventually. I mean, then we're, we've gone long enough now. Are you willing to talk about the 5500 XT and 5600 XT? Um, well, yeah, sure. I don't have too much to say at this point. I have fully benchmarked it. So for those listening, we recorded this on, well, I guess, well, so Australians are time travelers. So Steve's actually talking to me in the future right now, which confused me three times while I was trying to schedule it. And I didn't even realize it until my morning, Tuesday, Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, so I mean, if you have the data now, I think, you know, I've kind of done leak videos, so I, I'm pretty sure I know where they're at. But if you've actually benchmarked it, I'd be interesting to talk about a day after I believe it comes out. Well, you would think so. So I've been madly benchmarking and getting all the stuff up to date. So this is right now I should be working my backside off, but I thought it'd be good to have a chat with you, have a bit of a break because I've been going hell for leather for like three days right now. Mm -hmm. And I've got... The rest of today, so I've got you know more than half a day after we're done here, and then all day tomorrow, and then the video goes out sort of the early morning Friday for us, but it's over oh, a day okay. and a half. So I've pretty well done all my testing. What I haven't done is actually work out where the hell everything falls. Mm -hmm. So I thought for this one, I had a couple of, I had about four days really where I didn't need to do too much else. So I thought what I'm going to do is I'm going to throw all my benchmark results out the window for what I'd done previously uh, with the, mm -hmm. the 1650 Super and all that because the, the games weren't up to date and all that. So I thought I'll get rid of all of that and I'll pick, I think it's like 13 or 14 other games or newer games. So you've got, you know, Red Dead's in there, mm. uh, all, all the newer games plus some of the familiar faces like Battlefield 5 as an example. So I've got, all, I've got latest drivers, all, new batch of games, including all the new games, and I've also tweaked the presets, so I'm not just doing your mm, sort of ultra good, or yeah. high. So, so I'm doing mostly high presets for all the games. Uh, for example, with say Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which is included, I used to test on I think it was very high, and I think it was ultra above that. So I was testing on the second preset. Now I'm testing on the third, so I'm testing that game on high. So. I've sort of tried to use presets that I think make sense for these cards, and I've tested at 1080p and 1440p. Mm -hmm. And I think I've got about 10 or so graphics cards for this update. So basically, I've had to test about 10 graphics cards at two resolutions in about 13 games, all from scratch, to, for, for this video to get everything as up-to-date and accurate as I can. So I've been doing that for the last four or so days. I've just about finished. I'll finish that this afternoon and then I'll start creating the graphs, working out where we're at. But I have to say, it's really looking like it's going to come, I mean, it always does, but really come down to the price. For the 5500 XT specifically. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you guys, obviously, by the time you watch this, you'll know where it actually Whatever falls. Whatever you, yeah. But it's looking to me, from what I'm seeing here, that it's a little bit slower than like uh, a 590. 590, yeah. Uh, there were some leak benchmarks that suggested that too. There were yeah. some games where it was better. but Sure, yep. It's looking like on average maybe around 580, maybe even, I'm not sure, around there I would say. That's what's mm -hmm. looking. So, yeah, I mean, it doesn't put it in a great position 
and it's going to come down heavily to price and i can't see them pricing it where it's going to make a whole lot of sense but anyway i don't want to be too negative because i could end up yeah who knows it's all i mean right if it's 150 wow right although still it's like i don't know you can get eight gigabyte 580s for a while now that's kind of what i said of the 650 super 1650 supers it's like i don't know 584 gigabytes have been out for a while so if it's 150 for the eight gigabyte model it'd be like yeah okay that's pretty good i think it's better again again i don't have yet i would choose that right I would choose I that over a that, 130 580 or something. I would choose sure, it's, it's the new definitely thing. much more power efficient. Mm-hmm. So that would make sense. Um, but yeah, that's a big but. <laughs> so we'll see. Well, there's. Um, we'll see. I, I I know you don't like the speculation thing, but I've <laughs> I've been. Someone has sent me slides where AMD was thinking of doing 240 for it. By the way. Oh. Um, Sure, they were. <laughs> Obviously, they yeah. didn't charge much. The, the rumor is that the AIB has told them we won't sell it for that much. I, That's a rumor. But yeah, which I, mean, sound, I, they, I mean, you know, which is, it's funny to think of a price AIBs wouldn't be happy with. I know they were mad when AMD dropped the price of the Theory X before launch because, you know, the 980 Ti came out. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about any of that. I find it hard to believe they would miss the mark by that much. I really Me do. Too. Like, I find it hard to believe too, but I mean, yeah, I don't know how it could make sense. (laughs) It 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 wouldn't have made sense a year ago. So I find that very (laughs) hard to believe. I I mean, they did release the 590 for 280. What the hell were they thinking? (laughs) They were thinking, wasn't that, it's 2018. Yeah, they were thinking mining boom is what I think they were thinking. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right, you were you were there for that then though the four the RX four seventy you, you didn't get the price for that until hours before those reviews came out right I don't recall that exact one but that's definitely happened more than once before yeah and I don't have well we're talking right now uh, a day and a half before fifty five hundred is go I do not have any pricing information yeah I don't that's what I'm saying I I I can't say right now whether I yeah think it's i know because i have i have no idea what they're pricing it at well and you know we can kind of guess roughly where the performance is by looking at how many stream processors it is too yep. so yep. yeah i mean it'll come down to price if it's 150 not much has changed in terms of price performance to be honest in the past yep. few years but um and i know they're also going to announce supposedly the 5600 xt which will probably be the much more interesting card i think that will be about vega 56 performance uh mm-hmm. taking a page out of nvidia's book and giving it six gigabytes of memory though of course yeah i'm not <laughs> sure about that I, I did see that over on our video cards and mm-hmm. i've heard a few rumors myself but yeah not sure so Again, I will say it'll be interesting to see what happens. When it comes around. to the price, though, right? How I think of it is there's only so much they can charge <laughs> for the yes. 5500 XT now that we know the 5600 XT definitely exists. Like, there's only so much they could even charge. I mean, the 5700 is at 300. So, okay, you're going to probably put the 5600 XT at 250, I would guess. So, they can't really go over 200 anyway. So, it, it's probably going to have to fall between 150 and 200. There is no way 
And again, I shouldn't say this having no information, <laughs> but there is no way they can charge it at $200. Tim and I were talking about this just yesterday because Tim was saying the rumor is it's going to be about $200. And I'm like, no way will they drop it for $200. If they do, it will be the biggest fail. So, yeah, we will see. But you, they've got to compete with – you've got the, the 1650 Super at 160 I guess they so, could – I guess I'm trying to think of worst case scenario that could possibly happen. I guess what they could do is do 200 for eight gigabytes. That's what I'm worried about. 150 for four gigabytes and say, whoa, 1650 super is that much. What's your complaint? It is four gigabytes. I'm just quietly worried that's what's going to happen. I have a feeling (laughs) it might. I'm really hoping it doesn't. So, yeah, we'll see. Well, this will be fun then uh, when people hear this. Because this will come out probably like a few hours after okay. your uh, yep. review of the 5500 XT, <laughs> just yep. to hear how, what we were thinking right before you got the final price. Yeah. Well, like I said, I've still got to work out where the numbers all fall because I don't know. I'm just, I've, you know, I've seen about a dozen or just over a dozen games and I have a rough idea of where it all is. I haven't even sorted the data. It's just in Excel. Um, I've got to sort it all, then then graph it out. But I'll do that later tonight. So I'll have a better idea of where it lands performance-wise. But I think it's around RX 590. And then, yeah, the price will be the big determining factor there. But I don't think we're going to get anything that's going to blow our minds or be super exciting. Hopefully I'm wrong, but I think that's what it's looking like. Yeah. I mean, I'm just looking here at what else I have on my notes. I think we've gone through most things here. I do have a couple interesting questions, though. One I think is especially interesting. Blokes writes in and he asks, would you ever try benchmarking to see how important FLCK, FCLK overclocking is, depending on the motherboard? I, I have a suspicion going around that certain boards may hit higher FCLKs easier than others, and that seems to be like one of the main determining factors in rise in performance. Well, with the FCLK, you want that in from based on my testing. I think Gamers Nexus found the same, although Linus Tech Tips didn't. I think if um, is that you want to keep it coupled. So mm. really, that sort of limits you to what DDR4 3800 as as your top end there for 1900. Um, I found really as long as it's at a one to one ratio, the more important thing for performance is your memory timings, your sub and tertiary mm-hmm. timings, tightening them up. Uh, I did create a third gen DDR4 scaling video that, that covers this topic. As far as the motherboard angle goes, not sure on that one. I've run a few different boards. We're mostly talking X570 chipsets here, and they are all up to like DDR4, 3800, no dramas at all. Mm. Uh, I can't comment though on, yeah, I haven't tested a huge range of boards and I haven't tested a lot of B450s, for example, or even lower. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure if this person's suggesting that decoupling and overclocking that higher while leaving your memory speed mm-hmm. at maybe 3200 and going with 1900 for the FCLK. I, I don't know. One thing I'll add is just on an interesting side note is I saw, you know, the website Silicon Lottery. Yes. They had a golden sample of the 3950X they charge extra for that has better FCLK overclocking that they're offering okay. too. I don't know. Yeah. I just, I'm throwing that out there in this kind of the same subject. 
Well, I'm not, again, I'm not sure what they mean. Do they mean as in it'll allow you to run at higher memory speeds? Because that's probably what it means. Like, cause that I haven't dug into mean. it too much, actually. I'd let you be the expert on this based on what he said. But, well, but that is what they named it too on Silicon Lottery. They said can hit FCLK like 1900 or higher guaranteed at this clock speed. Uh, yeah, so I think that just means you can run with um, DDR4-3800 because that doesn't necessarily imply that you want to decouple. And as far as I'm concerned, you want to keep it coupled. So at a one-to-one ratio with the actual resulting memory frequency. So yeah, I'm not, not 100% sure on that one. It's been a while since I actually looked into all that stuff. But I'll just probably wrap that one up by saying, and this is something, I again, I covered in my third-gen Ryzen DDR4 scaling video, is that it's hard to say how important it is because for gaming, you're usually going to be GPU bound. Mm-hmm. And even when you become CPU bound, it's like you're talking about single digit performance gains for the most. Yeah. I mean, it's probably again, for depends. mostly academic reasons he's asking. Yeah. I guess I have another question here from Sirius Argus who asks Will you do an IPC comparison with Zen 2, Zen Plus, Zen Bulldozer, Coffee Lake, Skylake, Haswell, <laughs> et cetera, all at four gigahertz? I don't know. You might want to wait for. I don't know, what is it called? Uh, Comet Lake or Rocket Lake and Zen 3 to do that. But would you ever go all the way back at 4 gigahertz with like the past 10 years with both? Uh, yeah, I wouldn't say no. Uh, yeah. Something we could we could possibly do. Uh, but yeah, no plans at this point in time. But yeah, it'd be an interesting look back, I suppose, um, mm-hmm. to see. I've got all those platforms all in test systems ready to go. So yeah, seems like something I could definitely do. One thing I would say is that I think some people sometimes overlook if you really want to go down the rabbit hole looking at that IPC is there's a difference between um, single threaded performance, single core performance and core for core frequency IPC. And by that, I mean, single threaded performance is where Intel can still win because of clock speed, right? But this, the more cores you add, I've noticed the better AMD's IPC scales with more cores mm-hmm. because of how well their SMT works. It's a really, I mean, this is, again, not that dissimilar to the GPU versus GPU generation on generation kind of thing we're talking about. Because whereas that involves games and updated mm-hmm. code, this involves updated software with new instructions and things like that, which is all part of your IPC. Yeah. But it just it adds many layers of complexity into getting the right information. So I think you'd have to come at it from a few different angles. That is one, and I'm just kind of expounding here. But that is one thing I've noticed before: is people will do an IPC comparison, and they'll just like disable everything and run one core at four gigahertz, and run an app that only uses one core. And then it's like, well, you know, this generation's thirty percent better. And it's like, well, actually, in apps that use eight cores. The newer generation can scale across its eight cores better. So how do you even, you know, so. Yeah, as I, yeah, as I, was, I guess I was saying, that's one aspect of testing. Um, generally, what I've done when we've done our little IPC videos when a new CPU architecture comes out is do more what you're suggesting, compare an eight-core CPU to right. an eight-core CPU. And often I think I'll do like quad cores, six cores, eight cores, and whatever else is sort of a valid comparison and see how the scaling goes there. Because as you're saying, as you add more cores, it can increase things like latency and change, change basically the whole dynamic of how the CPU works. And I think, as you're saying, AMD scales quite 
quite well with small mm. calls. Well, you actually found, and this was a video I did that you gave me a heads up about. Um, I, I It was like the last time I blindly kind of looked at one YouTube channel that seemed to know it was doing. And I actually don't think their data was mostly wrong, but it depends which data you're looking at where should you turn off hyper-threading or SMT uh, that's with right. Ryzen. Yeah. And it's yep. like, and you gave me a heads up, uh, by the way, I'm doing a big video and I'm not finding what you're saying, Tom. Although the overall difference is really about 5%, if we're being honest, either direction. The thing with that is, I mean, really, this is And, and to be clear, we're talking about does turning off SMT increase performance with AMD, you know, Ryzen Zen 2 processors? I was, I was finding some weird, some weird mm -hmm. results with that one. But basically what I found was when you test a huge amount of games, the mm. overall... The, the wins and the losses, it comes to, a, as you say, a very small difference. But there are certainly some games that see a big benefit to having it on and then some that see a big benefit to having it off. And because I, I don't know how many games I tested, 30-something maybe? I can't even recall in that video. Mm -hmm. It's probably around that. A lot uh, more than what the other guy did. I'll and I think that. the other, I don't even remember who it was, but I think the person that tested it first tested like six or eight games and mm. just by perhaps sheer luck, they picked the games where turning it off has the bigger impact. So mm. their conclusion was, hey, you should probably disable this for gaming. And I thought, well, oh, that's interesting. But then I tested a heap of games and found, well, yeah, that is true in some games, but not others. And then it's like a situation where are you going to reset your computer and enable yeah. and disable SMT depending on what game you play, or are you just going to go screw it and leave it on? And again, it's like the memory thing under realistic gaming conditions where it makes a difference either for or against is probably even smaller it's to the point where it's just like it doesn't matter like just, mm -hmm. just leave it um you know one or, pattern i thought i saw between because uh, several people tested this was it seemed to me that it was if you actually look at the c and this is probably mostly a theory because i haven't tested it myself but if you turn off hyper-threading with the 3600, 3600X, you don't want to. You only have six cores. There are some games where you'll lose performance just because you don't have enough threads. If you turn it off with the 3900X, I think you found it was actually a little bit worse. But the 3800X actually got an overall net gain, and there wasn't, from what I saw, any games where it lost. And I think there could be a theory that it's because it only has one chiplet in there uh, for the cores. Is the 3900X is using two chiplets, and so if you disable hyper-threading, the way the architecture works is it doesn't always gain performance. But there might be an argument that I guess the 3800X is the one Zen CPU where if you want to go for a just gaming build, it seemed like it may have been a more consistent gain turning it off. But I don't know for how much longer. I mean, games will use more than eight yeah, threads soon enough. I, I don't know because I didn't test that part. I only did the mm -hmm. 3900. I wouldn't have thought so because Windows does a really good job now with Horizon of identifying mm -hmm. cores and threads and, and matching everything up properly. So I wouldn't have thought there'd be any performance difference there. If anything, my theory would have been the higher the core count, the CPU. That was that would be my theory too, knowing yeah. nothing. So I thought if turning SMT off was going to be beneficial on anything, it'd be like the 3950X. But again, like... It's not going to beat. I think a lot of people, especially Intel fans, let's say, uh, sorry, AMD fans rather, 
they sort of pin their hopes on certain things and go, if we do this, it'll be faster than Intel in all the games. And I think disabling SMT isn't something that's going to make, you know, the 3950X beat the 1900K in games. It might help in some games, but I think, again, if you look at the full picture and weigh up, you know, where it wins and where it loses, you end up with much the same result overall. So Yeah, I think when you catch yourself doing that, you just, again, it's like, so we're talking about a 5 percent difference <laughs> you yeah. don't need to beat intel at everything and you've already won just just go home <laughs> yeah i mean yeah they like to argue about it and whatever and i see the intel fanboys or just people trolling the amd fanboys but going, no we still have the superior gaming cpu it doesn't matter if it's one percent or five it's still superior that's all kind of funny at the end of the day I don't have time for that or care. It's just like whatever's the best value you purchase. Um, and if you want to buy a 9900K, go for it. Like, it's still a good CPU. I just don't think it's the, the most wise investment. But if you want to buy it, be my guest. I'm mm-hmm. not, I have no feelings either way. Well, so, there it is. Uh, Steve at Hardware Unbox recommends 9900K over everything. <laughs> Just put that, that as the soundbite at the beginning. <laughs> and done. Yeah. Um, so I guess I have like one more question to kind of end it on. But is there anything else you want to discuss? I mean, I've got you here. I think at least it's actually uh, I'm in Indiana right now. Uh, I'm actually in a hotel room, as Steve can tell. Uh, I'm getting a bit tired. I have to go down to the hotel lobby for dinner at some point before they close, (laughs) but I've got, you know, another 15 minutes. Is there anything that you feel like we should touch on that we missed? Um, no, nothing in particular, nothing that we can quickly get into and and cover. Uh, but I think we've, we've talked about a lot of stuff and we can certainly do it again if you'll have me back. (laughs) Oh yeah, I certainly will. Well, then let's let's get to the last question. And so it's almost Christmas. This is a very hacky question. But mm-hmm. I thought, you know, it would be funny to ask, what are three hardware gaming, or maybe if you insist not either of those things from this year, that Steve Walton is uh, thankful for? Well, well in, the, in the hardware stuff, I'm thankful mm-hmm. this year that we've got Zen 2. That's been awesome. So... Um, I actually like the Ryzen 5 3600 quite a lot, even though I'm a creator and like 16 core plus processors. I think that's yeah. awesome. I'm thankful we've got some competition back on the GPU side of things, like with Navi. That's hopefully the start of something exciting. So that's good. Um, Intel, what have you done for us? <laughs> no, pass on that one. <laughs> um, 10 nanometers out now. Yeah, well, their laptop stuff's pretty cool, actually. Not yeah, it is. Not nanometer stuff. I think Tim's more impressed with the 14 plus, plus, plus stuff. That's pretty cool, but I'm not really big on the laptop stuff, so I don't know if I'd put that on my wish list, even though that is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to say another AMD thing. Come on, help me out. What's well, something that's not AMD? That's well, I mean, cool. this is what you're thankful for. So you said Zen 2 um, and... Navi, I suppose. Um, I, I hate being put on the spot with this kind of stuff because my brain just goes blank and I can't think of anything that happened this year. Well, I guess I'll, I'll ask one more question then too. Like if there was one release next year that you wanted to exceed all expectations and I mean like that's, you know, so we're talking, you know, I mean, I guess there'll be probably the 2080 Ti Super. Potentially there could be a NVIDIA follow-up. There's Big Navi, 
there's um, Zen 3, there's Comet Lake 10 core, like all of these things, which one would you want to vastly exceed expectations the most? I would like Intel to become competitive again, especially sort of like on mm-hmm. the high-end desktop platform, but that's not going to happen next year. Um, and I think more desperately than any of that, we probably need AMD <laughs> to become competitive on the GPU front, really. Yeah, I think that's probably what we're, especially gamers, what we're most desperate in need of is for AMD to sort of pull their thumb out and give us some good GPUs and get those GPU price wars fired up again. Yeah, I mean, I would say it's it's a certain amount of it is NVIDIA pouring all this money into R&D and really putting in the effort to make a good architecture. Um, I think a certain amount of it is just AMD going, well, we don't. Uh, I had I had a guy from Sapphire who I had on the show, and I talked to him about that. And one of my questions to him was, was it weird going from 7970 to 290X and then all of a sudden the Polaris era, where all of a sudden you just have to sit there for years. I mean, you are the guy, you're the guys who made the toxic additions, and now you're sitting here and they're just making mid-range cards for like three years on end. Was that odd for you? And he's like, well, I've always seen it being about price performance, and my favorite cards have always been the mid-range ones. And I think for sure that was a, a decision AMD's made to a certain extent. Uh, when they uh, almost went out of business in 2015, they had to just make sure Zen works. So they focused on a long-lasting, and well, we're still using them Polaris cards. But I do think, to a certain extent, you're right that I think they gotta go for the performance crown for overall prices to go back to anywhere near where they were, you know, in 2012. Yep. And I think we used to think it was just all about the mid-range, but I don't know. I think this focusing on the Halo product that Nvidia does. There's a reason they do it. Um, yeah, there is. Like, the volume is obviously with those more affordable cards. But what would the situation be right now if Intel owned the high-end desktop platform? Like, they were just vastly superior mm-hmm. there. And then the 9900K was the obvious choice for enthusiast users that with mm-hmm. deep pockets. But then, like, the Ryzen 5 3600 just absolutely trashed anything Intel had for $300 or less. So that mm-hmm. obviously makes them a great value option. But would they lose a lot of those? What should obviously, like, it's very obvious that you should purchase in this scenario, mm-hmm. Ryzen 5, but would they lose a lot of those sales that you should obviously, they should obviously be getting because people would be buying the inferior Intel, let's say, Core i5 in that price range? To be, they want to be on the winning team. You know? Well, because, yeah, that. The, the Core i9s are all at the top of the graphs. Intel's the most dominant in all the high-end platforms. So there's that mind share that, you know, I've got to buy Intel because they're the best, even though mm-hmm. at your price point they may not be. And I think that happens a lot with NVIDIA. Um, I'm, in fact, I'm certain it happens. So they've got all the premium best cards, all the wealthy streamers and all the guys that get handed samples and stuff, they're all mm-hmm. using NVIDIA. So then all the kids watching their favorite Fortnite streamer who's playing Fortnite and RTX 2080 Ti or something, they buy mm-hmm. a 1650 Super. That's that mind share. So I think if AMD's competitive up there and now they've got a competitive processor, that'll all you know, sort of take care of itself a bit and it'll help them claw back some more of that market share. So I think, I think those Halo products, they are very important. And I guess what I would also say is there's a, my favorite thing I see from fanboys um, is 
AMD wishes they could make a card this powerful. And it's like, do you guys not see the die size of the 5700 XT? They're competing with the 2070 Super with 250 millimeters squared. The Radeon 7 came out for professionals, right? The professional version of the Radeon 7 was a 2018 card. That's a uh, 32% bigger card than the 5700 XT that they've been making for almost two years now you don't think they could make a 30 percent bigger navi and where would that place it people that would place it right about next to the 2080 ti and god knows their yields are fine now they could probably make it 50 percent bigger and i think a lot of it comes down to choice and there's business decisions there and how much money they're probably making selling these 70 millimeter squared chiplets they put into uh, Zen sure. CPUs, but I think at AMD, even if you, it's a paper launch, you just got to do it. You got to have well, that Halo project, like make the decision to launch that thing. They do. It really I mean, will help. Yeah. Technical challenges aside on what this, this person's comment is, because again, I see a lot of comments like this from AMD fanboys, NVIDIA fanboys, Intel fanboys. It's just a childish comment that's not really worth discussing because it's a childish comment. Like you shouldn't be sitting there going, AMD suck, they can't do this, or NVIDIA sucks, they, they can't do They wish they could do this. It's yeah. like, I just think it's funny. Almost all these companies can do whatever they want if they make the business decision well, to put in the effort. Again, regardless of what truth may or may not be in it, it's just a childish comment. Like you want, and this is all we ever want, we just want competition. You mm -hmm. want, even if AMD can't do it, you want you wish they could do it. You want well, right. And like, why would you say it? <laughs> why would you be? Because you know this person sounds like they're happy they can't. That's, it's like, that's why right. would you? Why would you be happy? That, <laughs> shouldn't you just like? Like, I wanted. Um, my channel started at the beginning of 2019, but I I always say if my channel had been at the end of 2018, I would have been hyping up Turing a little bit because the immense die size, the amount of CUDA cores it had. I I really expected that thing to be a monster. I was not happy it i mean it, it was powerful i was i would i would have been happier if it was you know worth the price like yeah. i always want everything to be as good as it can be i hope comet lake who knows like right tim and i am too i i'm using an intel laptop right now it's a quad core that legitimately uses 15 watts uh, say you know versus the 95 watts of my you know 6700k you know what an improvement i would be ecstatic if they managed to make their new 10 cores use 80 watts or something like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. At the end of the day, the comment should be, you know, I wish AMD would become competitive at the high end because I think that's what we're all really wanting to see and that's what's going to make the difference for us. So we just got to hope they do next year. And I'll just answer my own question. I mean, I think what I'm most uh, – thankful for this year it's definitely yeah zen and like uh thread ripper just absolutely slaughtering the market and continuing competition me hoping intel can keep up at least enough to keep prices down uh happy that navi at least was good <laughs> yep. Uh, yep i would have been really i mean man if it would have turned out to be like a 400 dollars thing that can't beat the 2060 i would have just been like oh, i just give up at this point <laughs> which I was a little worried it could have been. Uh, but I think what I'm most thankful for is uh, Zen Plus, because now you can get a 2700X for $130. <laughs> and my brother just did. And that's absolutely ridiculous. And that's the thing I kind of remind people too about, you know, I know the 3950X 
if Intel was still in charge, it'd probably be six hundred or five hundred dollars. I know it probably would be. Yep. But as long as you can get last gen for, I mean, I remember overall recommending the twenty seven hundred X over the ninety nine hundred K because it was almost half the price a year ago. Well, now it's half that price. The ninety nine hundred K is still the same price, roughly. There's uh, yep. some pretty good deals out there with they're, last they're, gen Ryzen. There definitely is, and that's. Again, what I was alluding to when I said, you know, now's a great time for building a PC because not only do you have a fantastic affordable processor like the Ryzen 5 3600, but yeah, you've got the 2600, which is like up to $100 cheaper. It's insane. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's good. Unfortunately, it's another AMD thing. I know there's many, there's got to be things that aren't AMD that. Oh, okay. I, mean, I got one. I'm thankful NVIDIA is actually just naming, well, they still. <laughs> okay. They're still pulling some pretty ridiculous naming schemes with some of their mobile versions of their graphics cards. But like I saw, for instance, the new Razer uh, netbook, and that thing fits at 1650 Max-Q. The amount of performance they're starting to cram into truly, truly thin and light laptops is something that I'm getting more and more excited about. Because I, I always think of laptops as, I mean, the entire concept of a desktop replacement laptop. I think maybe you should just build a desktop for a third the price than my friend. Uh, it yeah. probably is about as portable to just build a desktop as well. Yeah. So I guess I'm thankful that Thin and Light's actually performing like what desktops were about a couple of years ago. Yep. Okay. Um, well, I think actually, upon reflection, my number one thing would be I'm thankful that we don't have a cryptocurrency boom in 2019 <laughs> and you've been able to buy a graphics card full stop let alone at a reasonable price so you speak to someone whose house is heated by eight vegas right now <laughs> yeah you're, you're our problem <laughs> yeah i know um, i'm the enemy yeah you're the enemy apparently um yeah i think just the fact that we've had pretty good availability for most parts yeah i think that's been pretty cool in 2019 so yeah i think in terms of what i'm excited for next year I probably just agree mostly with Navi. I'm tempted to make people hate me, though. I think I'm going to go with one that it will be unpopular for fun. Because so you already took Navi. That's big. Navi is probably what I would say too, um, in mm-hmm. terms of what I really hope really just crushes it and changes things again. But uh, I hope the uh, PlayStation Five obliterates <laughs> everything in performance, and we get this reckoning moment where we realize how much we're paying for. Well, uh, the <laughs> 6850, 6870, similar die size to Navi for half the price. Uh, I've noticed this gen of consoles hasn't really gone down in price, unlike the previous gen where you had like PS3 starting at 600 and going down to like 180. Granted, it was the Foreman Grill edition that couldn't even be bothered to eject the disc for you. But like, if you look at consoles now, it's the same price. And I, I think there's actually a certain tethering there where console prices have even stayed at their launch price because of how expensive PC gaming got during the cryptocurrency boom. And I think they're a little more tethered than people might expect. And so like the PS5 came out and was a 2080 Ti for $500. Uh, that's one thing that I think would be hilarious, at least. Yeah, well, I mean, at the end of the day, it's all supply and demand, isn't it? So if demand remains strong, they'll, they won't drop the prices down on things. So in a lot of ways, that's how we've ended up here where we are. Mm-hmm. Well, that that's, I guess, the last thing maybe I'll bring up too is I always thought my people want excuses to buy things. I do. <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> it's fun to buy new things. 
And sure. so I think what NVIDIA figured out is it turns out you don't need a 50% increase every year. Turns out most people are happy with 20 or 10. <laughs> and that's where prices get out of hand is when you decide that you're okay with 20 instead of 50. Yeah, well, that's it. So the reviewers don't have too much say in it really. And I don't think, I know they cop a lot of the blame for prices going up, but at the end of the day, it's people buying. No, it's consumers. If yeah. everyone stopped buying graphics cards for one month, prices would drop in half overnight. So I would yeah. take. I mean, I can sit here and tell you a 10% gain is awesome and you should be wrapped with that. But if you're sitting there going, well, I mean, that might fool some people, but other mm. people are not. No, a 10% gain is not great. What if it's, it's a like, ray trace 10% gain? Well, you know, <laughs> that's With like... The, heck, what if it has again. DLSS? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think... Uh, well, I don't know. I don't even know what number to put on it, to be honest with you. I suppose it depends on whether we're talking about high-end or low-end as well. But it kind of comes back to that person with the GTX 1080 that was saying they don't really feel like they need to upgrade, so should they? And it's kind of a, a personal thing whether you feel like you need to. And personally, I wouldn't feel like I'd need to upgrade with a 1080. So, yeah, I, I, unless you, for some reason, your financial position has changed significantly, you've got a lot more money to play with now, and you're willing to blow, you know, $1,100, $1,200 US on an RTX 2082, and you really want to do that because, I don't know, the games you want to play look fantastic at 4K and you want to start gaming at 4K. But otherwise, I would just, I've always sort of, on what would you call it your mid-tier performance category like your gtx 1070 it's kind of verging on high end these days it's not i've usually close. been like a lower high end yeah like the yeah. 400 mark is usually where and that's just me i'm not just telling everyone that's what they should do no that just has made sense for my financial position and what i can justify investing in gaming so for mm -hmm. me it's always been around that 300 to 400 mark every couple of years and if you get two years down the track and that nets you a 10, 20% performance upgrade, I probably wouldn't bother. That's why I always find it a bit funny, like, because I just know I'm always one that would look at your cost per frame graphs and upgrade when I know I'm going to get a good step forward. So when it's worth reinvesting $400 all over again, and that's usually when you'd get like around a 50% performance bump for me. Yeah. I guess for me, when it, even when it, here, my biggest problem, if I were to get a 2080 Ti, is there are games though <laughs> where the 5700 XT. There maybe it's just one game, maybe it's just two games, but there are games where the 5700 XT will be like right next to it. I don't remember which one. It's very rare, right? But it happens, yep. and I just if I owned a 2080 Ti, even if it's one out of your 33 games you benchmark, and just one of them had a card a third the price at the same performance level, I'd be furious. And I mean, that never used to happen. You never used to have, there was no point where a, a 7850 came close to the OG Titan. <laughs> I think it was, yeah, it was Forza Horizon 4 where that was the, the game that was mm, showing yeah. that. I think NVIDIA fixed that. It was a driver update that, so, I mean, yeah, whatever. But I know, I, I know but we never it. used to be a driver update away from having a car to show sure. this expensive beating it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, again, it's just if you've got really deep pockets and you don't care, it's like, no, that's no big deal to me. Spending $1,200 on a GPU, nothing. Um, but if you don't care about money, why don't you have a Titan RTX, Steve? 
Sounds like well, maybe, maybe sounds like you you're would. one of those pores. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe you would. I, I don't know. My graphics um, card is painted gold. I. You know. <laughs> but obviously, it's what the the masses have now adjusted to, and if they were willing to spend yeah. two hundred dollars once upon a time, now maybe it's four hundred dollars for for whatever reason. I don't know, but they're charging what they're charging because they can. So could could not keep the original Titan in stock. Could not keep. <laughs> The GTX 1080 in stock, even when it was at $800 that Christmas it came out. As hard as I find that to believe, uh, evidently that was the case. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, we tried to end on what we're thankful for, but we just ended up making (laughs) fun of it again, uh, NVIDIA cards again. But I got to say, you've done a really good job passing is not an NVIDIA shill. So I got to at least give your acting skills credit. Thank you. But uh, yeah, I'm going to start getting loopy pretty soon if I keep going. Uh, so like I said, I'll try to get dinner before they close the uh, close the restaurant downstairs. You know, this is Moore's Laws Dead. It's fan supported on Patreon. I'll let you uh, plug yourself. <laughs> Steve Harbour Unboxed. You can type that in, in uh, YouTube there and you'll probably find us. But you can just type in hardware unbox. You can just type in hardware space in the first edition. <laughs> It'll probably be hardware unbox on Google by now. I might go to Paul's hardware or something like that. But anyway. No, don't sell yourself short. All right. Well, I mean, I enjoyed having you on. And yeah, I mean, if you uh, ever wanted to come on again, uh, oh. probably when there's a lot more releases out, so there's plenty more to talk about. I, of course, love having you on again as well. All right, so appreciate it. It was good fun. Mm-hmm. All right. Have a good afternoon then. <laughs> Cheers. Mm-hmm. Enjoy your dinner. Yep. All right. Bye. Bye. Broken Silicon, a PC hardware and gaming podcast, is predominantly brought to you by me, Tom, of Moore's Law is Dead. You can find all of my content, including videos, articles, and this podcast at www.moreslawsdead.com. And of course, it is also often co-hosted by my brother, Dan, and it is edited by my sound engineer, Gerard Cortez. You can find his contact information at www.moreslawsdead.com. You can also find the contact information of my article editor, Carbon Cry. Now, of course, if you want to keep the show running, I really do hope you rate me on your podcasting platform of choice. Share it with your friends. And if you have the money, but only if you do, consider supporting me on Patreon at Moore's Laws Dead. If you do, you get access to the Discord to talk to other enlightening people who work not just at AMD, not just at NVIDIA, but often in the server space and other computing areas that people often overlook. And of course, if you support it, you can get access to reading these people's names that keep the show running. But without further ado, let me give thanks to my greatest supporters. On December 6th, 2019. The following supporters are at the net burst 10 gigahertz or higher level. Bootman, Andrew Drake, Dean, Ruckus, Justin Yant, Thomas Rupp, Tomas Paraj, Jesse Blanton, Jordan Betcher, Muhammad Al-Kawari, Matthew Rubacher, Prime Tech TV, Justin Parrish, Zachary Martin, Terrence Harrod, Carl Marco, Otterweistech, Thyrister, The Ninth Dude, Greg Renegar, Giant... 
Bible, Larry Hoskins II, Night Rogue 77, Mechanical Philosopher, Lebo King Kilo, Bollocks, Derek Evans, Matthew McMullen, Christoph Novak, Neil X01, Matt Salem, Aaron Close, Sexy, Scott Schof, Frederick Lau, Alexander Dolar, Elethros, Telos, Kaiden, Greg G. Wanchek, Jacob Barber, Exoti, Winey Care Bear, Matthew Lane, Paul Jones, John, Jan Rohner, Rubber Ducks, Michael Costa, Allie Robertson, Gordon Lamb, Carbon Cry, and Sadler Sadler. Thank you all, and thank you to Sahara for the music. <laughs>